Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode 21 of the Retrospectors podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, James Sterling. How you going, guys? So, on today's episode of the cast, we're covering Call of Duty 1, the original. Now that it's my week to pick the games again, we get to do more first-person shooters, oh, which I'm very grateful God. for. At least a quarter of our 20-episode series has been first-person shooters, or at least shooters. I guess Max Payne's a third-person shooter. Over time, we're going to move it towards 50%, because I'm hoping that you'll pick shooters eventually to round it out, and as long as I pick a shooter every single week, <laughs> we'll eventually get there. Is there that. any reason for me to pick a shooter? Because I know that like, if I wait long enough that you're going to pick the shooter for me, right? It, it is true. My, my main fear is that I'm going to run out of first-person shooters. I'm going to go through the entire catalogue, and I'll have to pick progressive worse ones that'll be the end of the podcast i think <laughs> <laughs> so um i chose call of duty one this week and call of duty is actually a game that i've uh, never played i've played most of the modern ones from two onwards there i was gonna say two... i think everybody's played call of duty at some point right yeah but i mean i've played like pretty much every single one so i'm i'm like a call of duty expert of sorts i guess at, le- at least for the single players i've only played the multiplayer's a moderate amount like i'll play to max level on each each one and then kind of give up i'm not the kind of guy to get 10 prestiges uh but yeah i've never played the first one H- have you played any call of duties james i think uh you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who hasn't played at least one of them um yes yeah, so i've played quite a few of them not so many in recent years because i think i've grown a bit jaded with the series but when i was younger i um really liked world war ii shooters a lot so i played a lot of the Medal of Honor games and a couple of the late before Modern Warfare started taking over the scene, but I never have played this first one before. Yeah, so I'd, I'd played Medal of Honor Allied Assault, which in a lot of ways was the direct predecessor to this game. Um, a lot of the people from Infinity War worked on that one before this one. The game was released on October 29th, 2003. So, uh, you know, just shortly before Half-Life 2, which is interesting because I always thought of this sort of era of gaming being... A little bit more disconnected from that but it, it came out just very very shortly the year before half-life 2 so um so before we get into the cast itself just a quick note on what we do here at the retrospectives podcast we aim to evaluate these games through a modern lens we don't really want to know how good they were at the time in which they were released we just want to know how fun and enjoyable they are to play today and over the course of this episode James and I are going to do a very detailed breakdown um, on all the bits of Call of Duty that we enjoyed and the bits we did not. Patrick and I met through playing Magic the Gathering and we learned very early on to our friendship that we just like arguing about nitty gritty details endlessly, much to the uh, chagrin of our friends who often tire of us going back and forth (laughs) on the same subject. So we thought it'd be a fun idea to start this show and, you know, every episode is just going deep on uh, a lot of the... A lot of the finer details of games that we often think that people miss when they give reviews on this kind of thing. So we thought it was a good opportunity to kind of fill this niche in the market almost. So um, if you want to play this game, it's actually pretty bloody expensive. I think it's $30 on Steam. And for a game, you know, that was released in 2003, that's kind of highway robbery. So I definitely recommend waiting for a sale before you pick this up. Um, There's no real justification for a game this old being that price, except that um, Infinity Ward feels they can gouge people or the publisher feels they can gouge people. Yeah, and especially because there's probably... um 
second-hand copies on the market for like $2 flat or something on eBay, definitely get it that way. Don't pay $30 for a game this old. It's just not something that you need to do in this day and age. Uh, in terms of what we did to get the game running, uh, there's just a couple of uh, quick fixes you need to change in the notepad settings documents to ensure you get widescreen and um, better field of view. So we'll include that in the show notes as well, but it's really nothing major. Apart from that, it'll work fine on a modern machine. Absolutely. So the first thing I actually want to talk to you about, James, because we've got a lot to get through, but the first thing that you do when you start Call of Duty is you choose your difficulty. There's easy, normal, hard, and veteran. Unlike more modern games and their take on difficulties, the difference between veteran and hardened is very significant in how you experience Call of Duty. Uh, Other games will have a slight difficulty bump, but veteran and hardened in Call of Duty is just, it's like playing a completely different game. So to give you an idea of the differences, the most notable one is that in Call of Duty 1, there is no regenerating health. That's something that was only added later. There are health packs, but in Veteran, there are no health packs. They just completely remove them from the game. And health packs are fairly common throughout the levels. So what that means is you need to get through the entire level on a single health bar if you're playing on Veteran. This is particularly notable because the autosave system on in Call of Duty, it will only autosave your game if you have more than one third HP. So if you happen to lose a lot of your HP early in a game of veteran, then you will get no autosaves throughout the game. And uh, when you die, you will get kicked all the way back to whenever your last autosave over more than one third HP was. And to give you an idea of the sorts of damage you were taking, a single bullet from the Car 98, which is a standard weapon held by half the German troops, will do half of your health. Boom, you've lost half your health. Just like that, if you get hit by another Car 98 shot, you're dead. That's game over and you go all the way back. So Veteran is insane in terms of difficulty, if not for one feature, and that is quick saving. Call of Duty has quick saving, so you can quick save whenever you want, as many times as you want, with absolutely zero penalties. And that's really the only mitigating factor. I played through this game on Veteran and Hardened, whereas I think, James, you said you only played through it on Hardened, correct? Yes, I, uh, I did manage to beat it on Hardened, but uh, I never tried to uh, play it on Veteran. I don't think that the kind of difficulty that removing all the health packs would uh, end, like result in a more fun experience, so I didn't bother. I think that if you play Veteran without quick saving at all, you're an absolute masochist. Like, you'd have to be insane to play this game on Veteran and refuse to quick save. And I have seen, you know, playthroughs on YouTube, of course, of very good players, you know, doing it without quick saving and just flawlessly killing everything but uh honestly if if i didn't have access to quick save there's no way i would have finished it on veteran i mainly played it on veteran veteran because i always play the call of duty games on veteran and, you're quite and a proficient shooter player though right yeah so i'm a i'm a very proficient shooter player. i'd say like shooters are my main genre so 
I, I felt obliged to play it through on veteran, but uh, yeah, it's it's only quick saving that got me through this. And uh, I'm not I'm not so good at shooters. I'm nowhere near as good at them as Patrick is. And I did play through hardened, and I still um, felt like I couldn't beat the game unless I used quick saves quite a lot, which is a recurring theme on this show. A lot of the older games, especially PC titles, use quick save very often um, as a means of allowing players to choose their own difficulty effectively, which I find you know you end up using it more than you should probably in order to feel satisfaction from beating a level and i just don't think that quick save systems as i've said before uh, are as satisfying as checkpointing systems so it's interesting because when i played through the game on hardened i um i didn't use quick saving at all that was my okay. um my balance. So I, I played just with the uh, with the checkpoints, and I thought that it was a very it was a very fair difficulty. I actually thought on balance, uh, if you play through this game on hardened and you don't do any quick saving, it's probably slightly easier than um than veteran with the more modern cods. So. Uh, Harden with no quick saving is somewhere between Hardened and Veteran for the modern CODs. And I think that's absolutely the best way to play it. Um, I, I don't think you need a quick save. You're going to die a lot, but you know if you don't die a lot when playing COD, uh, then I don't know how how you're living as a human being. You're, you clearly need to ascend to another plane because uh, death is part and parcel of the experience. So... I, can can you explain to me why you felt you had to quick save? Because the game is frustrating as hell to um, lose in. I think that um, having played both Doom and Quake as the past shooters on this podcast, it's become very apparent to me that I have a huge issue when playing single player shooters uh, with the idea of games that use hit scan weaponry. I think that this game does a very poor job of communicating to the player where enemies are on screen and where you are getting attacked from. So I found that often when I was stuck at a part of this game that no matter how long I played for the bit, I was unable to get past it through, you know, learning and getting better as a player. I had no idea how to uh, avoid taking damage in this game effectively. You know, I'd try hiding behind cover. I'd try, you know, ducking back and forth behind cover. I'd try letting allies go first because in this game, unlike a lot of other shooters, you actually go through each level with a whole bunch of NPC squad mates. Um, so I found that sometimes an effective strategy was to let them go first. And when enemies started targeting them, uh, you could then sneak in and shoot. And I've got a lot of things to say about that system. But to go back to my point, I think that getting hit in this game is often, it's very difficult to know if it was your fault or not, unlike, uh, you know, Doom and Quake with projectile-based weaponry, which you can see coming and move out of the way of. I find that getting hit in this game feels extremely random. And often, you know, to get through a level would just be me... Um, effectively brute forcing my way through a section by like loading up a quick save going forward loading up a quick save going forward especially some of the sections later in the game which involve mortar projectiles that you can hear them coming but the sound design in this game isn't good enough to let you know where they're going to hit so in these sections it was often felt like i was just rolling a dice 
as to whether or not I was going to instantly die from a mortar falling on me or not. So I just brute forced these sections with quick save because I found them utterly awful to play through. Man, that is so interesting. So uh, I agree with you that the mortar sections are very suspicious. I didn't enjoy them at all. They were just random chance. But I don't actually think your uh, description of not being able to be- get good enough to overcome, I guess, general shooting challenges was accurate, at least for my experience. Okay. Um, this is something I want to get into a bit later when we go into the gameplay specifics. So we definitely will. But for now, I'll just say that I had a very different experience. I found that, yes, I there were plenty of spots where I died randomly, but I always felt that I had the tools and abilities to overcome those challenges. Sure. Okay. I mean, I think that um, you have the tools and like, I think I always agree with you that you have the tools, but there's a chance that your tools aren't going to work, basically, is my feeling. And I think yeah. that it's a very it's very telling that future iterations of shooters implemented a regenerating health system to kind of... Um, you know, bypass this level of random chance by letting you regenerate health slowly and taking cover. We will we will get into this in detail later because I have a lot to say, but basically I disagree. But uh, we'll, we'll get into it later. Bef- before we get into the nitty gritty of the gameplay, I actually wanted to touch on the story, if that's all right. Sure. So um, for Call of Duty, uh, <laughs> this may surprise you, James, but I think the story is a really important part of the Call of Duty experience. Yeah, agreed. They're so linear and they've become increasingly cinematic over the years that I think story constitutes probably half of playing Call of Duty. It's it's not a pure gameplay experience like Quake or Doom, um, and the story is very important. So the story of Call of Duty, it's a World War II campaign. Uh, you take control of an American, a British, and a Soviet soldier in turns as they uh, do a series of missions that starts on D-Day and goes from there. I think that the best way for us to talk about this is to talk about the story both in terms of your objectives in individual missions and also the holistic story. Is there a place that you'd like to start? I think that the first thing that jumps out to me is that this game is like close to a one-to-one rip of the movie Enemy at the Gates in some parts. And because of that... And because the game almost assumes that you know about these big battles, for me, I'm not a big history nut myself, so a lot of these aren't super familiar. Like, of course, I've heard of most of the major battles, like the battle at Stalingrad, but I don't know the fine details, and I think that the uh, game doesn't do a particularly good job of, you know, explaining what you're doing if you're not familiar with all these ideas. Uh, so, so you specifically talking about the Soviet campaign because yes. Enemy at the Gates is only the opening few missions. Yes. So, uh, yes, that is something I definitely wanted to talk about. Um, the first couple of missions uh, in the Soviet campaign are literally taken scene for scene from Enemy at the Gates, like to the exact detail. And this isn't the first time um, the Call of Duty team has done this. Medal of Honor Allied Assault also has a sequence that's identical to the beach landing from saving private ryan so did you think it was a problem that it didn't 
more explicitly reference these movies or no because i think the thing was i haven't actually seen the movie myself only through my mm -hmm. research later did i come to know that these scenes were ripped you know scene for scene and because of that it kind of made me understand why i felt quite lost the entire story and i didn't really know what i was doing and why for the majority of the time because i think that the game assumes that you've seen these movies and have a better understanding of um world war ii than i did i mean i i'm not sure i i wouldn't agree that the game assumes you see those seen those movies i think that the those those opening missions i'd say that they're a homage meant to give you historical context I think in terms of what you need to know, all you really need to know is that uh, the Soviets were attacking the Nazis from one end and the US and the British were attacking Basically, them from the other. Basically, I think the game assumes that you know that uh, German bad, everyone else good, and then just like throws you into these sequences with a gun and throwing dudes at you and that that's enough. I think the later iterations of Call of Duty do a much better job at giving you a story. Um, I think that Call of Duty 1, it feels like there's no character story there. Like, you're a dude, and you're going through German-infested areas, and you're shooting them, and that's it, as far as I can tell. But is that a problem? I mean, the, the thing is, it's trying to give you, uh, I guess, a perspective into the man on the ground, I guess. You know, this is this person they're a sergeant or they're a private and this is their story and the reality is that if you were in their shoes you wouldn't know anything about the greater battles and while i agree that does mean that it doesn't feel like there's a consistent narrative in a holistic sense i don't really think that that's what the game is trying to do it's trying to put you in the you know the shoes of the soldier on the ground as they experience these events Sure, I just didn't find it particularly engaging. And I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that one of the things the game tries to do and somewhat fails at is establish this feeling of camaraderie between you and your squad mates at times. And I think that um, the fact that a lot of the gameplay encourages you to let them go first as kind of bullet sponges to protect you really undermines that a lot. For me, I don't know if you felt the same, but I just I like... I, I didn't care about any of my teammates yeah. except for uh, except for Captain Price, and uh, the only reason I cared about him is he's actually a character that returns in Call of Duty: Modern Warfare. In many ways, he's the main character of those games, so it was entertaining seeing another Captain Price. The overall point that I want to stress is that Call of Duty 1 does not make a super engaging cinematic story like later iterations of the series do, and I think that's a problem because, at least to me, the general gunplay of the game isn't interesting enough to hold my attention from a purely mechanical standpoint, and I think that... Later iterations of the series have recognized this by adding lots of cool set pieces and crazy story moments such as in Black Ops and other titles. But because this game doesn't do that, I find it very noticeable that it's missing. Um, so in terms of overall story, I agree that the lack of overall narrative does mean that you have less emotional attachment. And I think that, yes, the overall story is probably pretty weak. But I don't think it's necessarily bad to also have a different different sort of perspective that is a soldier on the ground because a soldier on the ground doesn't have the bigger picture he's just a guy fighting in the trenches the more modern call of duty games kind of put you 
at the center of you know massive military overarching no, 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 no. I, I agree with you here i don't think there's a problem with the perspective that it wants to tell i think the execution is really poor like the only insight you really get into your characters is the letters at the beginning of each level where you know each character kind of or one of the characters at least keeps a diary to explain his feelings about everything but other than that the main characters don't say or do anything so it's really hard to kind of understand from their perspective other than what you're doing in the moment-to-moment gameplay and i thought that that really didn't capitalize on a lot of the stories that could have potentially been told with this kind of on the ground perspective that you've said yeah i don't think that's any different from the modern call of duty games though your your character never really speaks in the modern call of duty games either you're just a emotionless mute who's good at murdering people essentially um yeah i don't know i didn't hate it i thought it was different to the more modern ones uh I thought it was fine. I, I enjoyed the more focused individual in the trenches sort of feel. It was a different take to the end of the world stuff that we usually uh, approach by. Um, I want to divot slightly back to what we were talking back to before about the uh, Soviet campaign. Yes. So this is kind of a tangent, but um, I have a real problem with this. Okay. Uh, the opening bit where you're you're in a boat and your artillery shells are flying around you and planes are flying by doing strafing runs on you and your comrades who are standing shoulder to shoulder in this rickety boat. People are dying on that boat because they can't move. Uh, and then you're forced to assault machine gun nests with just a single clip of Mosin Nagant ammo in your hand because only every second man gets the rifle. Um, the way that when soldiers retreated, the Soviets were machine gunning them down in cold blood because, you know, they could not take this a single This whole section step was backwards. fucking atrocious. Um, not only... Um, story-wise is it historically inaccurate because it's just ripping off Enemy of the Gates, which itself was, you know, made for fun and not to be a historically accurate movie, but it's also awful gameplay-wise. Like, there is this section, because you only have a, a clip of ammo with no gun to use it with, you basically have to run from cover to cover avoiding machine gun fire, and there's this bit in particular where this character you've met is counts down from three, and like he said, when he says go, you have to run to dodge the machine gun fire. I ran at so many different points of him counting. Like I tried up to 10 times of running when he said to go and would still die. I have no idea how I got across this in the end, other than like loading my save and just going forward every time he said go. And then eventually it worked randomly. But it took me maybe 20, 25 times to get through this awful bit. That's really weird. It, I had no issues with that. I never died. Um, but I was going to say overall, I thought that they were very cinematically presented and I enjoyed them a lot. I thought it was the most emotively resonant moment of the entire game. Uh, the way these poor people were dying and being forced to be essentially meat shields against the um against the german forces the way they were gunned down in cold blood i thought it was devastating it actually affected me i don't know what you were doing wrong man because i literally never died there i just went when he told me to go and then i didn't take any damage from the machine guns yeah i don't know he just he counted down and when he said go i ran forward and then just as i would get to the end i would get gunned down 
um Very every strange. single time it was awful though I, I do agree with you about that bit being the best part of the story however um i think the soviet campaign is the strongest overall with the notable exception of the very end where you have to get this flag to the end of like to the top of the building they could have hammed that scene up so much more and it's just like oh the flag's up here now and then the credits start rolling like i thought it was you know very underutilized right at the end i wanted to hammer in on the historical inaccuracy though because i was going to say that even though i um i thought that it was very well executed i actually hate it so i think that if you're going to depict a historical event like world war ii i think that you should strive for historical accuracy and the thing about that entire scene is that it's rife with inaccuracies. The Soviets were never forced into battle to be used as meat shields with a single clip of Mosin Nagan Emra at hand. There were ammo shortages, but they were never forced to run at enemy machine gun nests like that. The Soviets did have executions of cowardly soldiers, yes, but they wouldn't have machine gunned them down for retreating. They would have put them in penal regiments or they would have just re-imported them into other regiments because retreating is an acceptable part of military strategy. And I think that when games take liberties with history like this and present them in an otherwise, you know, seemingly historically accurate game, it really pisses me off. I don't, I don't know if this annoys you at all, James, but I don't like it when games do it. It's so blatantly biased, right? Mm. Like, this is a game made by American developers, therefore the Soviet Union evil, pure evil, and nothing can except the main character can be considered, you know, kind of virtuous at all. The way this game portrays the Soviet officers in particular just blows my mind at how devious and evil and conniving they seem no army could operate with a chain of command that cartoonishly evil it just it's just comically stupid and the reason for that is of course because enemy at the gates the movie had a uh it, it wanted to tell this story about how the propaganda corps were evil because that served the purpose of their movie and a lot of the problems emerge entirely from Call of Duty wanting to pay homage to this movie. And it's funny because, you know, you'd think paying homage to a movie is an innocent thing. But I, I think there's a real problem when you're portraying historical events inaccurately. The thing is, most people won't be reading history books about World War II. They'll have watched movies or played games about them. So our understanding of these events as they happen in history are going to be based off games and movies, which sounds ridiculous, but that's the power of these sorts of art forms. So I would far prefer games strive for historical accuracy or do what like Call of Duty Modern Warfare does and tell a unique new story that isn't really bound to a particular historical event. Yeah, I agree. I think that I, there's basically nothing that I like about the story in this game um, other than the kind of point of reference that it's going from, from this, you know, just a dude in the trenches kind of tale. But I just think it's executed so terribly. Even, like, as you said, the bits that are executed well mm -hmm. leave a sour taste in my mouth because of how historically inaccurate they are. So um, I want to move now on to the, I guess I'd call them the smaller stories, which is, you know, what you do on each particular mission. And I think this is definitely a mixed bag. 
Um, I think some of these individual missions have a very nice flow and narrative to themselves and others are quite poor and bare bones. So should we start with a bad mission or a good mission first, James? Let's go with a good mission. Okay, I, I think the best executed mission out of all of them is the one called uh, Village at Dawn. And this is quite early on in the American campaign. Uh, after you capture capture a village and hold it for, for reinforcements, you... Um, you do that all at night time. So you wake up in the morning and you're being attacked from all sides. And in this mission, you kind of circle around the entirety of the village, taking out different objectives, defending on different flanks. And it has a really nice flow and set PC feel to it without it being a cutscene. I don't know if you know the mission I'm talking about. That's the one where there's the bridge in the middle, right? No, no, no. That's the um, the British defense of the bridge. This is okay. early on in the American campaign. So you start out by taking out... Oh, yeah, infantry. I, I know the one. It's the one where tanks start appearing for the first time, right? Yeah, yeah. So you take out infantry, you take out a tank, you defend a church with a machine gun. There's a point where a tank like slams through a wall out of nowhere that you're going to get a panzer strike to eliminate. And it um, finishes with you taking out some mortar teams. And um, I thought this mission was perfect. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, the way you circled round on yourself and used everything in the mission, uh, there's no waiting at doors, which is a real problem with modern Call of Duty campaigns where you kind of finish a bit, go up to a door, you know, the next area loads and you wait for someone to open the door for you and go to the next bit. There's just this general sense of forward momentum. I, I don't know if you liked the uh, the narrative of this mission or not, James. I don't know, it was okay, like, it's just there's German soldiers coming to the village and you kill them. To me, it's like every other mission in this game with a handful of standouts, uh, like a small handful of standouts. I found this one just okay. Um, I found that there was a section in it where a tank spawned quite early on where I had no idea how to... Because um, to take the tank out, you have to get to this church that has this um, anti-vehicle weapon Bands in it fast, that you can use yeah. to... Yeah, that you can use to destroy the tank. And I found that there was this section where I had to get to that church and I had no idea how to get there without getting gunned down. I tried hiding in all sorts of different spots. I tried letting people go forward. Um, and, you know, this is becoming pretty, you know, a recurring theme. I don't think I'm very good at this game. Uh, I think probably pretty bad. And But my experience with this mission was pretty much characterized by this set, these bits where I had to get to the church and get the Panzerfaust, but was unable to because I had no idea where to go because it felt like I would just be shot from every direction. Right. Were you were you using grenades in these sections? Uh, not often. I actually found grenades to be quite useless in this game oh, because man. they had a really small um, area of effect. Uh, I just, you know, you'd throw them and dudes would run away and they'd maybe, like, take somebody out. I didn't really find much use to them. Your know, grenades aren't just effective at killing enemies. They're more effective at, I guess, distracting enemies. So it, it can be a real effective tool if sure. you throw a grenade towards a group of enemies. It kind of gives you some breathing room to, to get Okay, sure. I can area. see how I misplayed that, yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm sorry that your gameplay experience was so poor because I thought this mission did a really good job because it kept breaking it up with different bits. Like there was the bit where you're on the machine guns, then you had a bit where you were shooting infantry, then you were running from a tank as it slowly rolled towards you, then you got a sniper rifle and had to take out machine gun nests protecting water fields. I, I thought there was lots of variety without it kind of putting you on rails. And to me, that's an example of like, a good narrative mission um, okay my favorite missions in the game were number one the mission where you had to infiltrate the dam and take out the generators it was quite long and gave you a lot of things to do i thought that was fun um the second mission i enjoyed was actually the one where you're in the tank and you get to go around having these tank battles with other tanks i thought that was really fun and the third one well it's more of a bunch of missions than just one mission but there's a section in the soviet campaign where you get this sniper rifle and from then on there's like two or three missions in a row where you just get to go through using this like really powerful single shot weapon which i found a lot more fun um, than most of the other missions which i felt um pigeonholed into having to use the machine guns uh, because they're much more powerful or like the fully automatic weapons because they're much more powerful than the rest of the single shot rifles or handguns so can you explain to me why you thought that the damn mission was narratively well done because that was going to be my example of a weaker narrative mission because there's because there's not lots of different bits that you're doing you're just you destroy the anti-aircraft you go down what do you mean dam. when you say narr narratively? Because to me, this is one of the better missions narratively, because I actually know why I'm at this dam and what I'm trying to accomplish, which is take out these generators to cut power um, to, you know, weaken the Germans' assault. Um, a lot of the other missions just felt like me going in a direction shooting dudes and I didn't know why. But this mission had something to ground me. I, I knew exactly why I was there and what I was doing. That, that's weird. It tells you every time what you're doing, like you're taking uh, control of a tank factory or you're uh, taking control of a village and holding for reinforcements or you're rescuing a prisoner. I, I, I'm just saying that you don't really do... It's kind of a lot of... The damn mission is a lot of going through corridors shooting people. Um, there's an objective at the end, and then you escape. That's that's the whole narrative beats of that mission, and that's why I would consider it pretty weak. There's no real developments. It's just you go through the dam, killing everyone, then you leave the dam, killing everyone. No, you go through the top of the dam to take out the anti-air guns, yeah. and then you take out a bunch of people, you go into the dam to take out the generators, yeah. and then you have to get out of the dam. Like, there's a bunch of different objectives in that mission. Well, I think why I don't like the village that you mentioned is that the different gameplay types I don't didn't find fun, particularly the bit where you use the heavy machine guns. I think using heavy machine guns in this game is an actively unfun experience because when you fire a heavy machine gun in Call of Duty 1, the muzzle flare is so strong that you actually can't see where you're shooting. It's obscene. Yeah, I tried to avoid it at basically every point I could. And in addition to that, the other bit of gameplay, blowing up the tanks. Well, you know, I already mentioned that I sucked at that, so it was basically 
Um, I would rather a whole mission of just normal gunplay than a third of normal gunplay and two thirds of gameplay that I hate. Okay, yeah. So, so I felt like you needed um, you needed variety to. I, I, that's what I want from my Call of Duty missions, right? If it's just running through corridors and that's the entire game, I'm gonna get bored. I don't mind a bit of that. It need, in fact, I think it needs to be peppered throughout. But you want to keep breaking it up with interesting deviations. So. My favorite missions were the ones where there were these interesting deviations over the course of the mission that kind of put a tweak on how you were playing the game. Yeah, I don't know. I found that um, when I play a shooter, the number one thing I want is consistent, fun uh, shooting that feels good. Um, When it's distracting you with these things that aren't as fun, I'm not so much on board. If the missions that entirely revolved around something different like the tank shooting sections and the car chases that kind of thing i found to be much more enjoyable than the missions that tried to have you do all these little annoying things in between so we've been talking about the story for a lot and we'll move on to gameplay soon but before we do that uh we'll have a quick music break so the music in this game is primarily orchestral i guess the closest touchstone to it would be something like star wars And honestly, I'm an orchestral music pleb, so that's probably not accurate, but that's what I thought while listening to it. And um, the track I've selected for us to listen to is called Red Square. I think the music works best when you are at these on-rails or more cinematic sections because it matches the uh, what your actions match the music best. And uh, this was one of my favorite tracks from the game during the Soviet campaign. so I guess it's time to talk a little bit about the gameplay and um, as you've heard you know and probably guessed I'm not a huge fan of the gameplay in this game while Patrick probably likes it a lot more than I do and as I said the primary reason I hate it is that I really don't think that playing against enemies with hit scan weapons is fun at all if you don't have regenerating health and maybe this because I suck at shooters maybe not 
But I think that dodging projectile weaponry, such as in, you know, Quake or Doom, is much more enjoyable than um, trying to guess um, whether or not it's safe to come out of cover. And I think that getting hit often feels really unsatisfying, and you're not, like, when you don't dodge a projectile, you know, oh, you know how to improve and how to better not get hit next time. I find that when you get hit in these games, I find it very, very difficult to know what I did wrong. Um, and often just resorted to either quick saving um, to get through areas or letting my teammates go forward first, which again I thought undermined the whole camaraderie aspect of the game. Well, let's let's try and figure it out, James, because basically I I died a lot playing this game on Hearted and Veteran, but I kind of took that as part of the experience of Call of Duty campaigns, and I take it as part of the experience of all Call of Duty campaigns. The essence of these hitscan shooters is that while you are incredibly lethal and can dish out death to enemies at an alarming rate, it just takes one bullet to get a headshot, you are similarly vulnerable. Uh, all it takes is a few bullets to kill you. And I was I always felt able to overcome all of the challenges by playing better, essentially, with one or two exceptions where I was just getting destroyed. But we'll go into that later. So... So what was your approach? Because the, the way I did it was, let's say I was at a difficult section where there were some enemies hunkered down in cover. I would hunker down and cover myself and I would use leaning to my advantage. I, I don't know if you were using the lean keys at yes, all. Yes, I used lean a lot. Um, I play Rainbow Six Siege quite a lot and that game has leaning, so it felt very normal. So can you tell me why I guess leaning wasn't an effective method of killing enemies in cover for you? Uh, because you just get hit anyway. But if you only expose yourself to one enemy at a time, surely you should be able to kill them before they kill you. I agree, which is why I'm perplexed that never, that never felt the case for me. Um, I often found that I was in these corridors where there would be four enemies down in the corridor and you could like, you would lean and then pop out slightly to pick one off and it would work for a couple of them. And then this one guy in the back with a heavy machine gun or an automatic weapon would be spraying into the corner and then you'd just get hit no matter what you did and I have no idea what I could do to, you know, like when there's multiple enemies, you can't wait for them to reload to pop out because they'll just, you know, take turns shooting. So eventually you can either try with a grenade, which I find wasn't very effective because of how small the explosion radius was, or you can just accept the fact that you're going to get hit and then hopefully only take a small amount of damage uh, rather than just dying. I'm not saying I didn't encounter issues with like certain corridors. There were definitely um, specific corridors where the enemies seemed to be able to draw a bead on me. But my approach to beating those was essentially get better, like be faster. You can you can lean around corners and take shots and lean back with incredible speed if you're pre-aiming accurately enough. And um, grenades are useful for flushing enemies out of cover. Uh, even just the SMG at most ranges is more than powerful enough to gun, you know, hit headshots on enemies because all it takes is one headshot. A lot of the time I use speed, like uh, you'd come around a corner and enemies would be scrambling into position, but if you were able to aim quickly and shoot them enough, you'd be able to kill three of them before they can even set up defensives. I used all of these strategies, uh, you know, at different times for different enemies, and I never felt like anything was impossible. 
Uh, I might take a little bit of damage here or there, but the health packs were very generous. Even certain enemies, when you killed them, gave you health back. I don't think that any bit was impossible to do without quick saving, other than this particular mission in this house that we'll get to later. Oh my god, probably... we will get to that mission. <laughs> Some of the worst gameplay I've ever experienced in any game in my life. Um, but before that, I agree with you. Like, a lot of the time when I was using the quick save, it wasn't because... I was unable to overcome the challenge. I knew I could if I kept trying. It was that it was unfun for me to do so because it felt like you would get up to this, you like you'd be able to do it and then it would you'd like every one in 3 chance you would succeed doing the same thing just because it's really hard to predict where play you're going to get shot from or who's going to shoot where. Um I just find it incredibly difficult to tell what you're doing wrong in this game. Most of the time, my strategy was to pop in and out of cover as fast as possible to minimize the amount of time my body was out in the open. And even then, sometimes it felt like I would die from half health before I could even see around the corner. So the way I would describe the appeal of these games to me, because the thing is, I like Call of Duty games. They'll never be my favorite, but I do enjoy them is that it's all about aiming, rapid target acquisition, and killing people quickly. Whereas games like Doom and Quake are more about good positioning and avoiding damage. So the way you get better at Call of Duty is you get better at killing people faster. And, and maybe that's something that I take for granted because I've been playing these games forever. I've played Counter-Strike forever. So I feel a lot more comfortable with it. But... I'd say a lot of the skill in getting good at these games is being able to go bang, bang, bang and kill three enemies with an SMG b before they even get set up. Or when you're using a sniper rifle, pre-aiming quickly and taking quick shots and using five bullets to kill five enemies as opposed to positioning yourself perfectly. Because as you said, the part of the experience is you're going to get killed by people with bullets. You're going to take damage from people with bullets and it's pretty impossible to avoid that damage but yeah, you can I always take a huge issue with that i just think that that in itself is just boring and bad gameplay to me a good game is one that if you play perfectly you can do the whole thing without getting hit um and i just i feel like that's probably not very achievable in this game just because of how wild a lot of the shots are and how many enemies there are i just don't feel that this game as opposed to quake or doom or the other positioning based shooters we've played offers you that level of control over the gameplay and i hate that well, it just offers it to you in a different way, right? Like when you play Doom and you have a shotgun and you need to shoot a Cacodemon, you know, six times with a shotgun to kill him. To me, that's not a fun experience. That's frustrating and boring. And it's not until you get, you know, double barrel shotgun in the later Dooms that it becomes more tolerable. I, what I like about these games is you kill the enemy super quickly. They all die in one bullet if you can just hit your shots. And that's the challenge. It's killing the enemies quickly. You're very vulnerable, yes, but so are your enemies. You you improve by getting better at killing them. Um, if I die a few times while playing to random bullets, I mean, that is the price that you need to pay for playing hitscan shooters. I don't agree. How, how, how do you play this game where enemies die in one shot, but you're a tank that doesn't take any damage? It doesn't work. You need no, to be equally vulnerable. 
No, it doesn't. Later games in Call of Duty added regenerating health so that this isn't as painful. I see. The thing is, I don't actually think regenerating health off it. For me, at least, it didn't actually make that big a difference because I thought that the health pickups that it gave you in Hardened were very plentiful. Uh, if it was incredibly stingy with them, you'd have a point. If you were running around at a third HP the entire time, you'd have a point. But I was at, you know, three quarters HP most of the time I was playing this game. I mean, when you're shooting maybe six dudes, right, and you kill five of them and they all drop health packs, that doesn't matter because you still can't leave your position because it's too dangerous. You can only get the health after the gunfight's finished and you're free to go pick up weapons in a lot of cases. Not all the time, of course. You know, they could drop 10 health each and it wouldn't matter a lot of the time. You're still going to get hit by these stray bullets and not be able to deal with them you know fixing that up because you can't leave your cover yeah see i i think that maybe the problem here is we just have a bit of a skill differential maybe that's all it is because yeah it could be like i said i i felt able i would die sometimes like don't get me wrong i wasn't flying through this game never dying there were points where i'd die four times before getting through a certain section but to me, it was like an opportunity to improve. Dying was just like part of the game. When I went into it again, I was like, all right, I'm going to be better this time. I'm going to use my grenades more effectively. I'm going to pre-aim better. I'm going to use my cover better. And I eventually got to the stage because, you know, I wasn't quick saving. I was going through it, you know, every single time. I got to the stage where I'd go through it taking little, uh, little or no damage. And I think that is possible if you're good enough at acquiring targets quickly. Okay, sure. I definitely am not. Um, I, fi- I think part of the reason why I like the sections with the sniper so much is because it's so powerful that body shots will kill a lot of the time. I found that very early on, like when I used, I remember as a child when I played World War II shooters, um, the, the single shot rifles are my favorite gun by far because I think there's something inherently more fun and skill testing about single shot weapons than there is about automatic weapons where you just kind of like hold in a direction and you know things die i think that's really boring um but i think that in this game the automatic weapons are so much more powerful than the non-sniper single shot weapons that there's almost no reason to use them and i found myself trying to force this uh, inefficient playstyle a lot of the time because I preferred it, and I think that led to me dying a lot more than I should have been. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think, in fact, I was going to go into this in weapon balance, but I may as well bring it up now. The basic German submachine gun in this game, the MP40, is absurdly strong. I, I don't know if you yeah. came to the same conclusion, but yeah, uh, absolutely. But yeah, the and the thing is, technically, Call of Duty has good weapon variety because you know each uh, each side, the British, the Americans, the Germans, and the Russians all have their own weapons. But in reality, you, because you're fighting against the Nazis every single mission, you can get your hands on the Nazi guns every single game, and the MP40 is absurdly strong there's nothing even close to it in power so i always was rocking the mp40 as soon as i can get my hands on it and it was obscenely good i loved it yeah but i hated playing that way it felt so boring like you just hold left click and walk forward and things would die um so i guess i guess this um 
occurs to me now that I was probably making the game harder for myself than it needed to be by, you know, sticking with the M1 Garand as much as I could. So can you, so basically before you said you thought that sniper, I guess, single shot rifles were far more interesting than automatic weapons. And I got to say, I disagree with you. I think they both have their interesting points. Really? Um, I'm surprised you think that. Well, the the sniper rifles are a lot more accurate along ranges and they give you insta-kills, whereas the, um, you know, to get a kill with a submachine gun, uh, you need to get a headshot. So already... I see see what you're kind of saying, but I actually think that in Call of Duty 1, as opposed to a lot of other shooters that I've played, the accuracy and the bullet spread on the automatic weapons, it's much tighter and more accurate. Like, I felt that... You know, from very vast distances, I could kill somebody very quickly by just holding for, like, two seconds in a direction or something. I don't think the spread in this game is enough, because I think there's supposed to be this tension between these long-range, single-shot, accurate weapons and these kind of closer-range spray weapons, but I don't think that actually exists here because of how accurate the automatic weapons are in Call of Duty 1. I, while I agree the MP40 is um, slightly overtuned, I think you're still underestimating the power of a one bullet kill to the body. I mean, historically in all the games I've played, that's been you know been very powerful and more than a match for the rifles, no matter how strong they are. I guess in a single player game, yes, in general you want the automatic weapon because you're up against multiple enemies at once, but. I was swapping between sniper rifle and MP40 as the situation demanded it, even if it was like 80-20 in the SMG's favor. No, no, I didn't say that. I said that I used the single-shot rifle, like the one without the scope. That's what I'm talking about, not the snipers. If I had the option of using a sniper rifle, I would use it every single time. But before you get one of those, I was using the shitty one-shot rifles that... Yes, they were bad. Yeah, they just suck. Um, And I find that automatic weapons are so unfun that I just avoided using them. And I think that was making the game harder for myself than it needed to be. So there was something specific I wanted to talk about. I don't know if you were doing this much, but um, Call of Duty 1 has a special feature that's not actually true of the modern uh, COD games or basically any modern shooter games nowadays. And that is the strength of hip firing. Did you did you use hip firing much? Like not aiming down the sides? Well, whenever I did use the automatic weapons, I used it all the time because it was really good. Dude, I, I, I so this is a weird thing, right? But I love the hip firing in this game. I it seems like a silly thing to enjoy as much as I did. But modern shooters are so much based on aiming down the sights, and hip firing is complete rubbish. And I've always been a Counter-Strike fan deep in my heart. Like, that's always been my favorite shooter. And I got to say, hip-firing in this game kind of gave me flashes of what playing Counter-Strike is like. Because Counter-Strike has barely any aiming down the site. There's one or two weapons that do it, but the rest, you're you're accurately hip-firing. And Call of Duty 1 is pretty much the only single-player shooter I've played in my life where you can lean around a corner... And you can go bang, bang, bang and be gunning down three enemies with headshots while hip firing. So I actually took a lot of joy from this. I I have a feeling you might be indifferent to it, but this was something I really liked about Call of Duty 1 and what gave it, it gave it a different feel and flavor to 
to the gunplay that I haven't really experienced in modern shooters. I am pretty indifferent to it. I did notice that it was strong, but I didn't make as much use of it as you seem to have because, I don't know, I think I just had it in my head that um, aiming down sights was the way to go. So I did use that most of the time, and I think that... Uh, probably definitely played worse because of it. There are plenty of spots where it is correct to aim down the sights, but when you're in kind of like medium to close range quarters and there are three enemies and they haven't quite got behind cover yet, because that was the other thing. If you can only see the tip of their head, you generally don't want to be shooting, hip firing them. But in those spots, it's feel generally feels a lot more efficient to stand still and shoot off a few quick bursts and hip firing. Because yeah. when you aim down the sights you're so much more zoomed in and your guns blocking part of the screen it can be harder to rapidly kill three enemies so uh, i i use both but the hip firing was really fun i i enjoyed that it added a lot to my yeah experience. i guess so i think it made the the gunplay feel a lot less tight in my opinion it just felt like if you had an automatic weapon and you shot in the general direction of an enemy they would probably get hit I felt that made it feel a lot looser and kind of janky, honestly. I agree that it does feel a bit janky because, you know, hip firing isn't a thing in modern shooters for a reason because it, it doesn't make any sense. If you were firing a gun for the hip, there's no way you would be super accurate. But uh, I enjoyed the gameplay experience because of how unique it was. And um, being able to shoot heads while unzoomed in, unscoped, felt very Counter-Strike-esque to me. So I, I liked that part of the game. So how did you feel about the overall gun feel of each weapon? Because I thought it was pretty mediocre compared to newer shooters. Um, I thought that it felt a bit like... Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It just didn't feel particularly nice to fire your gun. Maybe it's something to do with the sound design or the visual feedback. Um, but I thought, it, I just didn't like it very much. It's definitely very primitive, uh, I guess is the word I'd use. Uh, you know, there's nothing advanced or interesting about the way the guns fire. I have to say that I quickly got rid of a lot of weapons. Like I said, I didn't use the Thompson SMG or the PP Bison, the one with the massive clip uh, that the yep. Russians used because they felt crap as SMGs. But uh, yeah, I like the MP40. Like I thought the power level was there and I liked how the sniper rifles felt. They felt really powerful. So I didn't mind it. I, didn't, I wouldn't say, you know, these are the best feeling weapons ever, but I thought they were good. I thought they did the job. I think the fact that the majority of the weapons don't feel good to use and you end up using maybe two guns, like primarily for the entire game is a massive downside in my opinion. Yeah, it depends. Like, uh, should the point of these games be that uh, you find a weapon set that you're comfortable with and that you enjoy using? Or is it that you have a large variety of uh, weapons and tools at your disposal? Generally, when I play modern Call of Duty games, I find one or two weapons that I like using in the single-player campaign and want to stick to them. In Call of Duty 4, I like the AK and the AK-74, so whenever I can get my hands on them, I use them and I'm happy with it. Yeah, I guess to me, what makes a good game is when you have a lot of tools and you get to choose when to apply those tools to the correct situation. Whereas for me, I think a lot of the time in shooters like this, you end up just, you know, sticking with, like, there's a lot of tools, but the purpose isn't to give a huge variety of the gameplay. It's to allow each player to find one that they're comfortable with and then stick with it. And I find that, you know, not as interesting as it could be. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I wish the weapons were better balanced. And I think that that's a problem. But I didn't 
not enjoy using the weapons. Like I thought that the weapons that I eventually settled on weren't enjoyable to use. Yes, I would have preferred there to be greater variety, but uh, I didn't hate the the basic gunplay. I, I do want to give a special shout out to a weapon that you only get for one mission, but it, I feel it's like the most obscenely powerful weapon in the entire game. It's the bar. It's the weapon you get on the um, the mansion rescue mission. That's the one where the magazine's coming out the top, right? Uh, no, no, no. That's the heavy LMG you get for the bridge defense mission. This is a it's a, it's it's an automatic weapon, but it's only got twenty bullets in the magazine, and it does obscenely high damage. You 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 only get it for one mission, but it is outrageous. Like I cannot explain how good this weapon is. It does incredibly high damage, and it's an automatic weapon. It basically feels like a sniper rifle, but it's automatic, and yeah, it's just absurd. Okay, sure. Um, I mean that mission in close was in close quarters a lot of the time, so I don't think you got to use it to its full potential a lot, right? Uh yeah, that that is true. But I mean, I was swapping. Basically, it's so good that it doesn't even matter because it just shreds enemies. It's it's very, it's very strong. I, I used that in the MP40 throughout that mission, whereas normally I'd go, you know, sniper MP40. That's how good it was. I, I, w- I wouldn't drop that gun for any. I am. Um, I want to go back to talking about those mortar segments for one bit because I think oh, these sure. are absolutely inexcusable. Um, <laughs> like there is absolutely no redeeming quality that these sections have. You just you have to run through this section and. You may or may not get through. It's just actually just rolling a dice. Like, there's nothing fun about it. If there was a pattern to it, I never figured it out. Like, I tried going where the mortars had already fired, and that didn't work. My strategy eventually was to, the moment he started giving the debriefing, I started running while everyone else was in a circle, and I managed to get ahead of the mortar fire. But uh, if not for that, yes, it would have just been RNG. It's pretty shitty. I, I wasn't a fan. Yeah, it's awful. Um, And I guess this brings us to the discussion about the house mission, which for me was probably the worst experience I've had in a game for a very, very long time. I would have loaded my save several hundred times in this section. I just hate it so much. You're in this, like, tiny little house that has five floors. The floors themselves are quite narrow, and goons and tanks are advancing on your position constantly, and you have to survive for... Was it three to five minutes while four, that happens? Four minutes or something, yeah. Four minutes, and it's just so painful. There are so many broken walls and doors that there's no place that you can go that is truly safe. So there you have to one. keep moving. Well, I didn't find it, um, <laughs> obviously. And often, you know, a tank explosion would go through a wall and you'd take half your health anyway. I just cannot comprehend how this was put into the game. It's just so unfun. I stopped playing for several hours after I did this mission. It was awful. I actually completely agree. Like, uh, for all that I like the basic gunplay of Call of Duty, and I, I don't mind it, I think that uh, the this mission, and there's another defense mission, which is the daytime British one, where you have to defend the bridge, are garbage. And the reason for that is your squad mates, uh, apart from being meat shields, are fucking useless. Like, they don't kill anyone or anything. They'll let enemies run by and shoot you in the back. And that's generally not a problem when you're kind of going through forwards through a linear area, because if you're just good, you can just kill everyone and kind of ignore their existence. When you need to defend uh, yourself in a 360-degree radius and your squad mates aren't killing anyone... 
you just end up being constantly shot in the back. It's terrible. This mission would have been my most frustrating, except I found a specific spot on the second top level where I could prone and the enemies would kind of keep running up the stairs and I was safe from tank fire. So by the end of the mission, there were literally 55 corpses all piled up on the stairs from the Germans just repeatedly running up and dying. So if I hadn't found that spot, though, this mission would have been impossible for me. Yeah, no, I did not find that spot. Um, there was sections where I got myself caught where I would load my save. Or like I saved an awkward spot and I would load it. And if I didn't do the exact right thing, I would die in less than two seconds. Um, so I don't know. I just had an awful experience with it. I think, um, there's no way, there's basically no way to get through this mission without quick saving. I don't think, especially on veteran. Well, without, without finding, like without finding this spot. cheese spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of on the level where all your teammates are. The, the, see, it's a recurring problem. There's one bit where you need to shoot down a bunch of planes. And as you're doing that, some troops appear on the roof near you. As you're shooting down these planes and your teammates will not shoot them yeah, now, yeah. you're shooting down 15 bomber planes by yourself and all your teammates need to do is protect you and they'll just let these german soldiers kill you and it's so annoying because i'm shooting down the planes why do i have to get off the gun shoot these people shooting me get back on the gun resume shooting yeah, down the it planes. just fucking sucks there's no other way about it um and I want to ask you a very specific question about the gameplay um, now. Of course. Compared to every other... How many COD games do you think there are other than COD 1? Like, there's like 15. There's 15, like 15 16, 17. 16. And how many other shooters yeah. are there other than COD 1? Like hundreds, right? Yeah. Do you think that COD 1's gameplay does anything better than any other modern shooter that you could be playing today. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, this really? is one of the things I wanted to get into. So I think my problem with the modern Call of Duty games is that they're far too cinematic. And while I like a little bit of cinematic sort of parts of my COD, I think it's gone too far in that direction. There's not enough of a balance between shooty bits and cinematic bits. And regenerating health is part of that. The Call of Duty today is all about trying to produce a very specific cinematic experience where you go to this bit, you shoot dudes for a while, you go to the next bit, there's a door. You wait at the door for your teammate to open the door, they open the door. There's a cool set piece slash movie that plays, then you do the next bit, then you go to the door, rinse and repeat. It's just like incredibly on rails. Okay. I think... Call of Duty 1, what it does interestingly, it's funny, I think it kind of goes too far the other direction. There are probably slightly too many bits where you're just running around corridors gunning down dudes, but there's way less waiting at doors and there's way less kind of like on-rail cinematic bits where control is wrested away from you. There's more ability to do things in your own way, uh, whether that's using anti-tank weapons or using the anti-tank emplacements or uh, using a sniper rifle to shoot down enemies from afar in a bunker or running around them to closer combat. I, I like having slightly more freedom. And, and I think that, to me, the perfect Call of Duty game kind of bridges the modern ones with this older Call of Duty game. I think we the pendulum swung too far. 
Okay, sure, I can get behind that. Um, this game definitely does allow you a lot more freedom than the newer titles, um, and I do find that they could have gone for this approach. I think there's a lot of potential for a squad-based game. I, I haven't played too many of the other titles, maybe one or two, but I haven't played another Call of Duty that has this squad approach, and I think this is the most underutilized aspect of Call of Duty 1, is that they don't push this side of the story enough. I think there's huge potential for this feeling of camaraderie and, um, you know, getting to know characters and going through the levels with them and, you know, feeling terrible at losing them and that kind of thing. And I think that like your allies just suck so much that they can never hope to achieve that well that that is something that is utilized in the later call of duties um the whole call of duty modern warfare storyline and um the call of duty black up storyline have specific named characters that you stick with for the entirety of their campaigns so uh like i said captain price uh which is funny because he's in this old call of duty game but he's got the same sort of handlebar mustache so they've obviously reused the character is like kind of the main character over the course of the um the modern warfare campaign so they definitely honed in on that aspect more and it is it is something i like but uh Honestly, man, I don't really care too much for the squad aspect style of Call of Duty. I like the single-player murder experience. And, yeah, I would have preferred to not have squad mates most of the time, honestly. they Because they don't do anything, like you said, you don't have an attachment with them. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I liked it when I was by myself. That, that was a good thing about the damn mission. You were actually just by yourself. To my question that I asked you before... Um, I mm. do not think... Well, other than that, I actually agree with you about that point you raised about that level of freedom. But other than that, I don't think there's anything else that this game does better um, than more modern takes on the genre. And I think you're so spoiled for choice in the shooter genre. Like, this is probably one of the top three most, like, saturated genres in the video game market. I just... It's really hard for me to be like, this game like is worth going back for and playing over playing just a different shooter, honestly. And I think we'll get more into that after another quick music break. Um, as we said before, the soundtrack in this game is primarily orchestral, and it's actually my favorite part of the game, and the only part of the game uh, I'll say that I take no issue with. Uh, I think it's incredible. Um, I wish more games used such an emotive, expressive orchestral soundtrack. So I'm going to play for you my favorite track, which is called Below Deck. Um, and it's my favorite track because it's a lot of old orchestral music does a really good job of telling story through the music itself. And I think that there's a lot of highs and lows and really emotive parts of this track that make it really expressive. And I just love the way it does that. So here you go.
So that was Below Deck, which I really love for how sweeping and how it changes quite a lot throughout the song. How did you feel about the soundtrack as a whole, Pat? Like, as I said before, I take a lot of issues with a lot of this game. Um, you know, I think it's pretty clear now that I re didn't really enjoy playing through Call of Duty 1, but I did really like the soundtrack. I think it was absolutely beautiful at times and very expressive and managed to feel very engaging the entire time. Yeah, like I said, I, um, I enjoyed the soundtrack. Um, I'm a bit of a music pleb, so orchestral music has never really... I guess never really emotionally appealed to me. Well, that's a bad opinion. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that my main problem with the music is that I didn't always feel like the music reflected my passage through the level because because the soundtrack just kind of plays and over the course of the soundtrack, there are highs and lows. The highs don't necessarily represent moments of high action and the lows don't necessarily represent you know lulls i actually uh, found that it did often i thought that the music swelled a lot in um you know there was this scene in the soviet campaign where you were in the middle of this collapsed city where all these tanks were suddenly appearing and maybe it was just good luck that the music started swelling when those tanks appeared but i thought it was very you know emotionally driving i thought that this the music did a better job at uh, conveying the tone and the feeling of the story than the actual story and the actions you were doing did. Well, I, I was going to finish by saying that I think there were moments where it didn't do that, but whenever the game became more cinematic, when you know when it wanted to make it a cutscene like the red square moment when you're about to assault the square with nothing but a clip of ammo in your hands, I thought that it did a really, really good job because it was forced, right? Like, because you had no control over the pace of the action, the music matched your actions. The problems with the music pretty much emerged when you had control of your actions and you were choosing your pace through the mission because then it lining up with your actions was mere random coincidence. I thought um, one of the things it did really well was accurately reflecting which campaign you are on. Like, the American campaign was filled with these horns and snare drums and that kind of thing. Like, it felt really like you are in the American army, and I thought that the Soviet and the British um, soundtracks also managed to, you know, kind of match the... I don't know how to explain the tone of each army very well. Yeah, the the British missions tended to be smaller in scale. It tended to be more um, more sneaky in a lot of times, like carrying out special operations. So it was a bit more subdued. Whereas yep. the um, I thought that the Russian soundtrack made a greater use of bugles and horns, which are you know were traditional parts of the soviets bands so yeah I, I think that the three there was there were pretty subtle differences but they were well done cool um i guess that brings us to aesthetics which uh i'm gonna go out there and say that this is the worst part of the game by far um what? well apart from that house mission this game was released in a time of very early 3D graphics, and as a result, it really falls into that uncanny valley where character models are just weird polygon monsters that just look really bizarre um, and not quite human, but not quite cartoony either. And I'd say that this game is trying to go for a semi-realistic look, but it's aged like milk, in my opinion, um, particularly the user interface is awful. Like, one thing that 
that's very consistent in modern games is that fonts particularly use very clear sans-serif fonts that are much easier to read on a screen, and they're often overlaid against dark backgrounds so that you can read them more easy. In this game, the heads-up display elements are just white uh, serif text that can often be unreadable if they're overlaid against a lighter background because there's no, like dark bit behind them to make them stand out. I think that the HUD is like one of the worst that I've seen in a long time. James, I love the look of this game. I'm not even kidding. How? So, so okay. So let me just say straight up the gates. This game does have its aesthetic problems. As you said, the character models are garbage. However, the advantage that Call of Duty 1 has over far more modern shooters is that its visual design is incredibly clean. Very, very clean. You play any modern shooter, even as uh, old as something like Call of Duty 4, and if an enemy is taking cover, they'll be taking cover behind complicated models that obscure their silhouette. There'll be glass and random debris. They'll be uh, wearing camouflage that kind of is dark and makes them blend in. And when you go to shoot someone, you'll be shooting, I guess, the outline of something that vaguely resembles an is arm. Is that really a plus in this game, or is it just a huge negative in yes. those games? Well, well, what I'm saying is that that the simplicity of the graphics uh, lends it an elegant clarity to what's going on. I could always tell how many soldiers they were, where they were hiding behind cover, and it's a very uh, it's a very bright aesthetic. It's not murky and dark and hard to see what's Are going you joking? on. Joking! I you had to crank know. my brightness like so much that like when I was looking at my other monitor, like it was just white. I always knew exactly where all the enemies were and and where they were shooting me from because of how clear and distinct the models were on the background. There's not random debris covering the ground, or you know, you're not shooting through glass very often. Like you'll shoot through a glass and then all shatter and you're fine i mean i agree that it doesn't have those problems but i think that that's more of a criticism of newer games rather than saying that this game looks good i think that you're right and that there's a clarity of where enemies are most of the time but like they just look so bad I I so basically i don't think they look great i think uh, a lot of the textures are kind of a kind of you know there'll be big large uh, repeating textures on buildings or whatever and it can make a lot of the environments dull. But we're not trying to present, I guess, anything crazy. We're trying to present buildings and cars and guns and anti-aircraft weaponry. And I think the visuals do a fine job of doing this. When I see this game, I think of World War II France. I don't think of I, I don't think it does a poor job doing it. I'm a little surprised at how much you hate them, and I wouldn't actually use Uncanny Valley to describe these. Really? It's certainly... It's miles ahead of something like uh, Max Payne. I like Max Payne better than this. I like Quake better than this. I like Doom 1 better than this. Like, this is garbage. It looks so bad all the time. I just... Yeah, I I can't understand your distaste because um, I really liked the graphical style. And and maybe it's just because, once again, I'm like thinking back to my Counter-Strike days. But shooters of today have so much crap happening on the screen all the time that it was really nice to play a shooter with less happening, less on the screen. 
and the enemies were clear and everything. It's it's the same sort of thing that Halo 1 has. Halo 1 has a simplicity, elegance in its design. And yes, the models are low resolution. And yes, there are these big stretched out textures. But I would gladly pay that for visual clarity. And this game is more visually clear than any modern Call of Duty game that I can name today. I think you're making so, uh, the mistake of suggesting that you can't have both. Like, you can have a game that looks nice and is, you know, visually clean and easy to see what's going on on screen. Like, yes, this game... Can you give me an example? Uh, yeah, sure. I think that uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive does that very well. I think the Counter-Strike Source does a much better job of it than this. I actually think that that's a fantastic example. Uh, Counter-Strike Global Offensive has the same sort of visual clarity, but with updated graphics. But it did take them a while to get there. Yeah. Um, when when uh, when these when Call of Duty Global Offensive was first released, there were a few maps that had crap all over them and were poorly visually designed. And what they did was they looked back to the original 1.6 versions of these maps. And then when they modeled them again, they did a much better job. And immediately the visual clarity jumped up a lot. So uh, maps like Decation, Dust 2, are actually, they look fantastic now. And yes, I think Global Offensive does a far better job than, um, than Call of Duty does. But I think that it's the exception. I think that... Uh, level design that is this clean is a rarity in modern shooters because you want to have bells and whistles to make it look realistic in a lot of cases like your battlefield ones and you know call of duty modern warfare even the one that's coming out in a, in a few days in a week or so so uh yes it is an ugly game i i completely agree with that but it's incredibly functional and i did enjoy the clarity and visual design even if it was ugly Okay, sure. I'll agree that there is clarity there and that it never got in the way of me playing the game, which, yeah, definitely a good thing. But the character models, the animations, uh, the textures, and particularly the heads-up display really have aged like milk. I don't think they can hold a candle to anything modern these days, right? I Yeah, and I will say that in particular things like uh, artillery fire, like... These are things that have been far eclipsed. And in general, when it comes to capturing the chaos of warfare or the immersiveness of warfare, Call of Duty is, is useless. Like, it, it just can't hold a handle to more modern takes on it. But in terms of do these visuals provide me an engaging gameplay experience? Yes, they, they absolutely do. And I think that a lot of modern shooters put their visuals first and they make the experience of shooting dudes worse. So I am um, on balance. I would, I liked the, I liked the visuals. I think this game looked good and I enjoyed playing, uh, playing through its visuals. When I first loaded into this game and was during the tutorial, I was laughing looking at the tutorial NPCs model yep. for ages. Like I just thought it was so bad. It was funny. They, they are horrible. And the, um, the animations oh of God. the troops walking <laughs> along, they're kind of like weirdly hunkered down. Like their knees are like touching their chin as they're walking around. It looks ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. I'd say the animations are on par with like Minecraft, if I'm being honest. I don't, I don't think no, that that's too far, but they're, they're not good um yeah the, and don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not trying to say that it's a masterpiece of visual design because it absolutely isn't i'm just saying that 
this sort of cleanness in a shooter is rare. I think CSGO is a good example of a modern take that's much better done. But honestly, it almost stands alone. Like it's uh, maybe something like Apex Legends, but even that is a mess in terms of visuals and colors and stuff all over the place. So I, I liked it. Yeah, and I did mention the muzzle flare issue before where half the time when you're shooting, you can't actually see what you're aiming in. That does get in the way of gameplay. Yeah, right? um, I agree that the machine guns are like... Are like you, Your whole screen gets lit up in, in white. The uh, only way I was able to deal with it was just lightly tapping because it doesn't take much of the, with those machine guns to get a kill. So if you just tap once or twice, but... Yeah, it was it was overdone, and I think they definitely toned it down in later Call of Duty games, and for good reason. Yeah, I I, I really hate the way this game looks. Patrick's much bigger fan on me, um, so I guess this leads us into conclusions. I guess I think um, we've already made both of our positions relatively clear, but we'll just summarize for you guys now. So, Patrick, what did you think of Call of Duty, and do you recommend it? So Call of Duty 1 has a lot of problems, but none of them are significant for me. And in fact, I think that the differences between Call of Duty 1 released in 2003 and one of the modern Call of Duty ones, like uh, the Black Ops games or even later, I think it's really not that much. I I think these games haven't dramatically changed. And a lot of what I enjoyed about Call of Duty was it was a change of pace. Uh, The visuals were cleaner and more refined. There was more emphasis on on running and shooting uh, in through corridors at your own pace instead of being ushered along and being forced to wait at doors. I like small things. I like the hip firing. I like the way that enemies waited in cover and then they slowly picked their heads out. It gave you a chance to use grenades and sit patiently and wait for them to pick their head out before taking them out. It faces a lot of the problems that modern Call of Duty games do today uh, and which are kind of intrinsic to the genre, like dying to hit scanners. But overall, I really enjoyed Call of Duty 1. I I think if you enjoy modern shooters, there's a lot to enjoy here. It's a relatively short campaign and it's well-paced. There are one or two atrocious missions, uh, one or two great missions, and a lot of decent ones. So... uh, Stamp of approval for Call of Duty 1. I enjoyed my experience with it overall. I have no idea what Patrick Arthur is smoking right now. I think that this is the worst game we've played by a significant margin. <laughs> other than other than the music, I think that there is barely anything redeemable about this title. Like, there were parts of the game where I was having fun, but to me, because the shooter market is so saturated, there's just no way that I can tell you to go back and play this game when you could instead play many of the hundreds of other shooters like available today that do almost everything better than this game. I think the guns feel like shit. They're awfully balanced. It looks absolutely dreadful. And I think that the gameplay, you know, the hitscan gameplay only works with regenerating health because it gives you that kind of... Uh, leeway and you know maybe i just suck at shooters which is a perfectly fair criticism of my feelings on this game but i just did not enjoy my playthrough of this game at all and found that the only mission i really enjoyed the entire time was this mission that involved driving a tank which had gameplay completely unlike the rest of the game 
Uh, I absolutely cannot recommend this game. I think that the difficulty is unfun, that the levels aren't particularly fun to look at, that the story is basically non-existent, and that your allies are absolutely just useless. Um, I was very annoyed while playing this game, uh, and I just really cannot recommend it. I will say that the tank bits were fun, but but just one final note. If you do play this game, do not play on Veteran. And this is coming from a person who's played all of the Call of Duties on Veteran. The best way to play this game is to play it on Hardened and do not use quick saving. So um, Veteran difficulty with quick saving is not as fun as using just using the auto saves. And veteran with no quick saving is a level of masochism I'm not willing to descend into. Yeah, or uh, impose upon other people. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, so that's the end. You now know our opinions on Call of Duty 1, and we can happily move away from this game and onto greener pastures. Um, next fortnight, we'll be playing a game of my choice, um, which will be a JRPG known as Vagrant Story. Um, JRPG is a generous description of this game because it's got combat and gameplay very unlike any game I've played before. So I'm very excited to be able to talk about this with uh, you next week because my favorite thing on this podcast is to play games that are completely different to anything I've ever played before. So when you said that we were playing Call of Duty 1, I was like, oh no... Um, but yeah, hopefully I'll have a better experience next fortnight. Well, I'll tell you what, James. Uh, you know how you said Call of Duty 1 is like the worst experience for this cast so far? I do, and by a large margin. Yeah, well, I- I've only played a few hours of Vagrant Story. I got a bit of a head start because um, it's such a long game. And uh, the control scheme is something else. So i really hope that uh the gameplay is good when i get more into it because at the moment it is my front runner for worst game i've played so far and i really hope that's not the case that would be that'd be very disappointing but um i I guess that's what we'll uh figure out next fortnight yeah hopefully it's good i will say though that even if it's an awful game if it has novelty value i'll still probably like it more than call of duty So uh, that's all we have time for. Um, My name is Patrick Arthur and you are joined by James Turlings. Uh, We are the Retrospectives Podcast. You can find our website at rspodcast.net. You can find us at Twitter at at retpodcast or you can send us an email at retrospectivespodcast at gmail.com. Last but most importantly, we have a Discord server and we'd love if you would come and join Uh, There's nothing more we love than uh, arguing about video games, often extensively, often over-arguing. So uh, if you enjoy (laughs) talking about any aspects of video games, old or new, we would love if you would join us for a conversation. Yeah, I'd love for more people to join Discord and come have a chat. I I love having these arguments about video games. And, you know, the few people that we have in the channel, you know, we've had a lot of fun debating on old games, new games, uh, political issues, that kind of thing. You know, everything. We're not um, limiting our chat to just be about the games we've played. If you want to come down and talk about anything Uh, tangentially video game related I'd love to have you so uh, we will see you on discord or we will see you next week Uh, adios see you on a fortnight for vagrant story see yous